0: Good afternoon, this is Community Echoes with Phyllis Warren today And today my guest is Lorelai Williams And she's of um, Butterflies and Spirit So we're going to have a chat with her With her um, new show and everything that she has come out with So Lorelai, how are you?
1: I'm good, thanks, how are you?
0: Good. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about this work that you have done?
1: So, I started a dance group called Butterflies and Spirit and we raise awareness of Missing and Murder Indigenous Women and Girls. Okay. I started this back in 2012.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Our uh, The whole idea was to get my Missing Auntie Belinda Williams picture out there somehow, but to also honor and remember my cousin Tanya Holick who was murdered by serial killer Robert Picton. Oh. yeah! What I didn't realize when I started this dance group was that other family members of Missing and Murder Indigenous Women and Girls would want to join me and represent their Missing and Murder loved ones. So we became a dance group of family members of Missing and Murder Indigenous Women and Girls. And that one-time performance turned into us dancing up until, well, it's been 10 years, over 10 years now.
0: Oh, and my goodness. So yeah. do you guys go and dance all over the place, different communities?
1: Yeah, we started in Canada. We started to make our way down into the States. And then we've gone as far as Bogota, Colombia, and more recently, been going back and forth to Mexico.
0: Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. So you're bringing awareness to these murdered and missing women.
1: Yeah, and actually, more recently, we started collaborating with dancers from Mexico as well, and we brought that performance to Mika's Two Rivers Remix Festival recently.
0: Oh, wow. Well, that sounds really good. So, do you think by doing this, you have brought more attention to what has occurred to the Native women by, you know, um, what was done to them?
1: Uh, Yeah, like when we first started uh, and we were performing around Canada, I noticed every time we perform, you can actually see people crying and i had to I had to position myself in a dance so i wouldn't have to look at people's eyes because if i caught somebody's eye while they were crying or eyes while they were crying it would make it that much harder for me to perform because i'd have to stay strong to keep dancing
0: mhm
1: um And a lot of those performances as well, a lot of people came up to me and they would thank us and say, thank you for putting feeling behind this. You know, you see these stories in the news, but when you actually meet family members um, and hear their stories, you actually put feeling behind this issue. And, you know, when I started this dance group, I, you know, some people have said to me, you know, this is a huge issue around the world. How come you're not raising awareness of this issue around the world? And I said, Well, you know, this issue is happening here to my people, so I think I'll just start there first. But it started to expand to the States and then more recently, Mexico, which they called the disappeared. Oh, so that kind of just started on its own, like it just unfolded naturally on its own.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So your dance, your form of dance, is it a traditional dance, or is it more of a modern? It's both.
1: We, oh. um, we do hip hop, contemporary, and traditional dance to raise awareness of this issue. So, mm-hmm. our hip hop piece is more of a we're here, we're strong. Um, The contemporary piece is more dancing as the spirits of MMIWG. Right. And the traditional piece is to say, again, we're still here, and these are our different cultures from across Canada because, uh, well, now in Mexico as well, because, you know, we all have our different um, cultures in the group, our different indigenous cultures. You know, we have button blanket dancers. Uh, We have jingle dress dancers, fancy dancers, um, and then I wear my buckskin uh, from my own territory, uh, which is interior Salish culture. So you can see the different indigenous cultures from across Canada. Oh, my goodness. Now, more recently, with the picture that um, was taken at the festival, you can see the two um, dancers from Mexico wearing their, uh, or three, Uh, wearing their traditional regalia. And we have my aunt as well, who's from Sta'ila, the Stalo Territory, and, you know, she wears her traditional paddle dress. Um, So, yeah.
0: So with these traditional regalias, um, we could tell where someone is from. Is that not correct?
1: Yeah, and if people don't know, then they see... Uh, or ask about it. And the other part of it is sometimes we wear um, the medicine wheel colors. So we're able to represent that as well. And that started at the very beginning of our um, journey. Yes. To represent those colors.
0: Yes. And and the medicine colors, you know, would that not imply that we can heal?
1: Yes. And that's another part of this dance I, I actually never realized How healing dance really is
0: mm-hmm.
1: Until I started this dance group And I, I got exposed to that um, Right away You know, my mom She actually ended up in the hospital A month and a half maybe Before, or two months before Our very first performance Which was on April 30th my mom ended up passing away April 25th, five days before our very first performance on April 30th, 2012. Oh, and yeah, I had to make the hard decision to go on with the performance or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but really,
1: what really stuck out to me was, you know, the fact that, you know, every time I went to go visit my mom after dance practice, um, Anytime I walked into the hospital to visit her, she would always say, you look like your missing aunt, you look like your missing aunt. Um, You know, that's my mom's sister, right? And I always grew up knowing that I look like my missing aunt. And, you know, I really thought about it after she had passed, um, if I should go on with the show or not, and I decided I needed to do this for her. Um, so I went on with this performance And that is where I was exposed To how healing dance really is Because, you know, when my mom passed away I, I got anxiety And I had never had I got anxiety attacks mm-hmm. And I had never experienced that before So, you know, when we performed the, A weird thing happened to me was you know those anxiety attacks went away uh, in the moments that we were performing. The fifteen minutes of our performance it it all just went away. And that's something I noticed, and I had never experienced that before, and that's how I realized how healing dance really is. And
0: yeah. Yeah, and you know, some people say that when you dance and everything that they can feel their lost loved ones. Is this what happens with you guys as you're performing for these missing and murdered women?
1: Yes, that's actually what makes it hard for me Um, and I've been told by the other butterflies and we've done other interviews where we've been asked this question and We can feel our loved ones with us. And I've been told by (laughs) several people that it's not just my family members who are dancing with me. It's other Mm -hmm. MMIWGs. And I've been shocked to hear that from people. Um, But I definitely feel something, like, very strong with me and guiding me. I just... I could never... Pinpoint it, but when people started to say things like that to me, I started to realize that my ancestors are with me. I never really knew what my ancestors were until my little brother passed away. I started to see it a little bit. I started to um, recognize it a little bit, but you know, after my mom passed away and then my dad two years after, I really started to notice how they're with me. Um, and then when people started to explain it more to me, I, I started to notice
0: that. Yeah. And you see with me, I, I go to Kamloops for the Kamloopa, usually regularly until COVID, of course. And I used to go there saying that I needed a cleansing of my body, my mind, and my spirit because that's how I felt with the drums beating and the dancing and, you know, you feel all of these things and I would come back to Prince George and I just felt so sound, you know, and um, it sounds like you have that same experience with your dance troupe. Yeah, yeah, for
1: sure. I, you know, Raising awareness of this issue through dance is amazing, but it's also emotionally draining. hmm So, I actually have to do things um, afterwards. I have to do a lot of self-care before and after <laughs> performing. Yeah. But I always take advantage of any kind of ceremony um, that is cleansing or letting go or... Any of those things um, because those types of ceremonies really help me in the work that I do.
0: Right. So, smudging is one of them that you would partake in?
1: Yeah, we definitely tried to smudge before and after we perform. Mm-hmm. I know that really helped me.
0: Yes. Yes, because smudging is part of a cleansing for us. And, um, you know, even when we're feeling bad in our own homes, I myself like to smudge just to, um, get the evil feeling away. And, you know, not saying that my house is full of evil spirits, just it's my mindset at the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, I, in my culture, they do brushings. So if I can never do that, I, I will do that
0: as well. Yeah. So, do you guys have any plans of um, expanding this and carrying on? Well, actually,
1: um, we've been asked by a group or a lady or a few people down in the state to start a group down there. We were in the process of actually doing that, but then COVID happened, so we weren't able to expand down into the state. Uh-huh. I mean, it'd be amazing. We're already expanding into Mexico. Yes. You know, with our dances from Mexico. Um, yeah. So we want to. It's just a matter of time, money, resources, people, and yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so have you guys gone across Canada with this?
1: Yeah.
0: And how was that experience?
1: Uh, we never went across, like, just in one shot. We've gone, uh, I wouldn't say across. We've probably gone as far as uh, Winnipeg. Okay. That's the furthest we've made it. We have been invited to Toronto and those. Are, we've actually been invited around the world, but then COVID happened. Yeah. We were preparing to go perform in Australia, Bahamas, Japan, all these other places. But when COVID hit, we just could not do that but um yeah before covid hit actually just a few days before the announcement of covid and everything shutting down back in March 2019 was
0: it yeah
1: um we had just returned from Mexico oh. and um it, i think i think it was like two days later when they made the announcement that if anybody traveled abroad that we had to self isolate and all this stuff and um yeah
0: so. Yeah, so it, it sounds like everyone is interested in, in what you you guys do and your message that you're carrying.
1: Yeah, actually, we're, we're um, planning a Latin American tour for the summer as well, and we're going to start fundraising for that. Um, we already have some resources to do this tour. We just need to do some extra fundraising for it. Right. But... Um, we're also talking about doing other tours. Um, I was just invited to a meeting recently um, and hopefully that goes through, but I feel like we're starting to go more international.
0: Yes, so how do you do the fundraising? Is it local or do you call upon a wider range of communities to help with this?
1: We are a grassroots uh, dance group we're We've never really, um, we've never become a non-profit society or anything like that. Um, so we've definitely relied on people from the community. Uh Sometimes we have fundraisers. Sometimes, um, we do get grants through other nonprofit societies we're able to apply.
0: Right. Um,
1: we've been able to do it that way. Um, yeah, so through grants in the community, um, People like to donate to us as well, um, so that's how we've been able to, job. and the majority of our performances too, we, we don't have a set fee, like we'll perform anywhere, uh, sometimes people can't pay us, but you know with people who could pay us well we've been able to save some of that money to be able to go to communities that aren't able to pay us that well, like You know, for example, Mexico, they invite us down, but they can't pay for our flights, but they can house us, they can feed us, they can't give us an honorarium um, for things like that, right? So, you know, we're not about making money off of this issue, so whatever people can offer us, we'll take some of it for, you know, our time, but it's a very small percentage, but we'll put it back into the group and save it for another performance.
0: Right, so um, you keep on self-funding your cause. Yep. And you guys don't have a GoFundMe page?
1: Uh, we have in the past, and again, that was for raising money for Mexico, and um, we started that quite a few years ago, and I of not know where somebody random, like a few years after we collect the money from it, it was still out there, and somebody donated, like, two years later, and I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know this was still out there circulating. So we do kind of have one, but it was for um our Mexico trip before COVID.
0: Right, yeah. So that's how you guys do everything, is by donations, um, yeah. trying to do fundraisers within your own communities, and then all that money goes for the trip. Yes. Yeah. And if you guys are paid, then it goes right back into the dancers and um, to plan for other future trips. Is that not true?
1: Yeah, that's true. Like, we were actually just invited to Dallas, and we thought that, you know, um, they were going to cover the whole thing, but they're, they might not be able to, so... We're hoping to go to Dallas mid-November. Um, oh.
0: Yeah. So that's coming up.
1: Yeah. We'll see what happens. I should know more. Mm-hmm. About that thing.
0: And so you have a few people in your community. That's obvious. That is also part of this dance troupe. So you guys share the burden of trying to plan everything? Yep. Okay, well, right now we're going to take a short break and we're going to come back and talk to Lorelai more regarding this. So just hold on. Thank you.
2: Tiptoe on Gossamer into this magical land and watch the laughing moonbeams dance across your hand. Hi, I'm Gib Forster. Why don't we join hands and tiptoe into memories where stories are found and impossible things become possible? A journey woven with magic. A journey of the heart, a journey that transcends time.
0: It feels like Christmas.
2: Brought to you in part by Auto Magic starting November 25th here on 93.1 CFIS FM. What should you do if you suspect the abuse of an elder? If you believe someone you know might be the victim of elder abuse, turn your concerns over to the professionals and let them investigate. Do not confront a suspected abuser yourself. Let the professionals determine if abuse is occurring. The Prince George Council of Seniors has a list of numbers you can call and websites you can visit for more information. Pick up the list at the Seniors Resource Centre, the corner of 7th and Victoria, or call 250-564 9100. At approximately 4 p.m. Monday, September 26th, Prince George RCMP attended a motor vehicle incident on the Hard Highway at Wise Broad Road. Investigators have determined a blue Pontiac torrent across the center median and collided with a logging truck. Any witnesses or anyone who may have dash cam footage of the incident who have not already spoken with police are asked to contact the local detachment of the RCMP at 250-561-3300. Forecast from Environment Canada for today's showers. Wind from the south at 20k, gusting to 40, a high of 8. Mainly cloudy with a 30% chance of showers this evening. Clearing overnight. Wind from the west at 20k, becoming light near midnight, a low of minus 3. On Tuesday, mainly sunny. Increasing cloudiness in the afternoon with a 60% chance of showers. Wind up to 15, a high of 5, with a morning wind chill to minus 5.
0: And we're back with Laura Lorelai. Williams and we were talking about her dance troupe so Lorelai I was just wondering um how many members are part of this troupe and how many go on these trips with you
1: we usually have about six to twelve that fluctuate Uh um more recently we actually just lost one of our elders so um we kind of just took a break um you know, it's going to be one year since she passed October 30th. So um, we haven't even really been doing performances the past year. Right. We only did our 10 year anniversary celebration on April 30th. Uh-huh. And then Mika and the Two River Remix brought in my dances from Mexico over the summer. Oh. And so we were able to do that performance. Um, and then more recently, we got invited to perform on disney's alaska daily with hillary swank oh so we didn't perform on their show we performed for their cast and crew so for that you know that happened on september 30th and that was actually the last time we performed with our elder before she ended up in the hospital and you know we had to make the decision if we wanted to do that or not and One of the butterflies, Lisa, she mentioned that, you know, Lillian would probably want us to do this performance. Uh, She'd probably be excited for us. You know, she would have been with us if she was here. So that was one of the performances that we did recently. Um, And, yeah, so...
0: So you just referred to... um one of the members by Butterfly. Is that what you guys call yourselves?
1: Oh, well, yeah, I, I, yes, because we're Butterflies and Spirit, so.
0: Yes. Okay, yeah. that is so nice. Like I was struck by that. Okay, because uh, my next question was: Is do you guys call yourself members of a troop, or now I know you you refer to each other as butterflies, which is beautiful because that puts you closer to nature.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: And just another thing. What are the ages like? What would the average be of the performers, the butterflies?
1: I think the average is probably thirties. Okay. However, you know, we've had dancers as young as 12 years old. Uh Uh-huh. And then we always make sure to have an elder in our group. Right. So... Like Lillian was our elder and uh yeah, she would do her traditional dance with us. Okay. And my auntie Carrie, she at the beginning she was actually dancing with us. Um and she has now become our elder. Oh, okay. Lillian's past like she wasn't really considered an elder before. Okay. But now we've Put her in that role. I don't want to put her in that role. She's taken that on since we lost
0: Lillian. Right. So could you explain to our listeners um, an elder and what is the age that a person is deemed as an elder? Um, I don't know the age. I feel like
1: there was one young person who was considered an elder just because of their wisdom okay. and how they spoke. But I guess for my Auntie Carrie, um, she just had a birthday. I think she's about 56. Okay. And, you know, 10 years ago we went to, or maybe she's 60-something. <laughs> Anyways, 10 years ago, we would never think of her as an elder. Um but
0: yeah, I've never really thought of the age,
1: right.
0: actually. Um, yeah, I think with Lily and she was just
1: automatically
0: like, "I'm the elder," you know, kind <laughs> of <So laughs> yeah. thing. It's like, okay, yeah, we you see know, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. So, um, a person who's deemed an elder usually is someone full of wisdom and experience, and that can help lead you. Is that not true?
1: Yeah, and guide us, uh, especially in our traditional ways, um, because some of us don't, never really had that, right? And, you know, I say never because, um, I, I didn't even know my own traditional dances, but being in Butterflies and Spirit, our choreographer, Madeline McCallum, she out this piece, and that's when she incorporated the traditional dances. And a lot of us, we were kind of stumped. We're like, oh, no, we don't know our traditional dances. And then she was like, well, you guys have some homework to do. So we had to all go out and learn our traditional dances from an elder or somebody that we know from mm-hmm. our cultures. And, yeah, that that's another part of Butterflies and Spirit you know we got reconnected to our own cultures
0: right so before this dance troupe you had never danced before no
1: not even not hip hop not contemporary not my traditional dances like I was never considered a professional dancer or anything like that and it actually kind of stunned me I honestly don't know why I thought of dance to raise awareness of this issue but you know like the whole idea actually came to me when I was attending a vigil on October 4th mm-hmm. 2011 actually so I attended this vigil, this candlelight vigil for the Sister in Spirit Initiative right? and this mother, Molly she stood up and she spoke about her daughter who had gone missing recently. It was October 11th, or October 4th, 2011.
0: Right.
1: Her daughter had just gone missing May 2011. So it was fresh, it was new. Um, she spoke and I, I couldn't help but cry when she spoke. And somebody, a random stranger came up to me and hugged me because they saw me crying. I was standing there by myself. And then they handed me a poster Um, At that moment, we all started marching up um, Hastings Street from Canby, and only half of the street was blocked off. Right. The other half, you know, the cars could see us. They were driving by slowly. If not, they were at a stop. But I could tell they were looking at us and wondering what we were doing. I could tell they were confused. People on the buses were looking at us and... Finally, I looked at the poster that I was carrying, and it had small newspaper clippings of stories of MMIWG. And I was like, well, no wonder they're looking at me all confused. They can't see what's on my poster. So that's when the idea came to me of having pictures of our family members on our um, T-shirts, black T-shirts. Right. Big, and so you can actually see their faces. So you can put a name to the face um, and even put their faces out there and to show that these are real people. Because in the media, a lot of our indigenous women and girls are portrayed as drunks, addicts, uh, runaways, yes,
0: um,
1: and all of that, right? And, you know, majority of the time in the media, the serial killer's face is plastered all over. The serial killer's names are plastered all over. Nobody really knows their, the Victims. indigenous women and girls' names, right? Yes. So. I thought of putting their names putting their faces on t-shirts I had no idea I thought how am I going to get attention to the shirt though and then for some reason I thought of dance and that's how this idea came about
0: right so when you guys are performing do you show pictures of the victims that you are dancing for yes they're on our t-shirts and more recently we
1: started to work on a
0: projector Uh uh-huh
1: or uh, yeah, we yeah. at the ten year anniversary, we were able to display their pictures while we were performing, uh, huge on the stage, right uh, through a projector, and we find it more. You can capture people's attention with those pictures, so if we have more opportun- opportunities to do that, um, we will do that. Mm-hmm. But you know with. Different areas, different places to dance. We never know how that will work because not a lot of people have projectors or um, a wall. Like sometimes we're, we're dancing on the street, right? We've, we're known to block streets. Oh, good. Yeah, so we, our very first performance, we blocked off Georgia. The community helped us block off Georgia and Gramble. Oh yeah. Okay. To do our first performance, and so after that, we're we're kind of known to do that. We've done it, um, not just for performing, but supporting families of M and my WG. More recently, Chelsea Portman's family. You know, um, we got asked to block the streets off to put posters up when she was missing. We got asked to block the streets off to put posters up of asking for tips of her murder right? so we're not just a dance group we're actually an advocacy group now people come to us to block streets off to raise awareness of their missing and murdered loved one
0: so to me it's sounding like you guys are stepping up to the plate to get the name out to get the picture out because for some reason there is no RCMP involvement. Is that correct?
1: Yes and no. Um So a lot of families do come to us, you know, after making a report. Uh-huh. They'll come to us because they're frustrated. They're saying the police aren't doing anything. They're not helping. They're not supporting. And, you know, my loved one's missing. Can you help? Right. And that's when we'll help them.
0: So, do you think the police should make a stronger voice when a Native woman goes missing instead of saying, well, they're an addict, they're an alcoholic, they just went away, give them some time, they'll be back? Do you think they're sending the wrong message?
1: Yes, we are dealing with racist police systems across the country. Um, And I can say that, you know, because... You know, in my missing aunt's case, she actually went missing back in 1978, and she's technically not even listed as missing until 2004. And it's not because my family didn't try to report her missing. They tried many times um, only for the police to push them away. They also tried, my family tried again, uh, when my cousin Tanya went missing, my cousin Tanya Holtuk went missing in 1996, and it was her DNA that was found on Picton's farm. But when she went missing in 1996, my family came forward again because not too long after she went missing and all these other indigenous women um, went missing from the downtown east side, there was more attention to that. So my family came forward again to try make a missing persons re- report, but because my aunt wasn't considered a drug addict or sex worker, they didn't take the case again. And even in Tanya's case, when my Auntie Dixie filed her report, she was dealt with a racist um, VPD civilian clerk, Sandy Cameron. And this VPD civilian clerk um, said to her, She's probably just partying in Mexico. She's a drug addict. Nobody cares about her. And she even went as far as to threatening to call the child welfare services to get Tanya's son taken away to be put into foster care or the child welfare system because well, from what she said was you know, Tanya wasn't there taking care of um him and right. my Aunt wasn't taking care of him because she was searching for uh, Tanya. You know, she asked her, "Well, who's watching the baby? If you're, if she's missing and you're out searching for her, who's watching the baby? I should call child welfare services on, on you." Is what she said. And you know, more recently, I've been working with Chelsea Poorman's family, um, Noello Soup, the 13-year-old that was found in an SRO. Chelsea Portman was found in the, the million-dollar home in Shaughnessy here, and Tatiana Harrison, uh, who was found on a boat. And all of those cases, um, you know, these they were found closely together um, in date. Oh. And so I worked closely with these three families um, from the beginning, and I saw all the flaws. I saw all the racism. I saw all the discrimination. Um, I saw how they lacked on supporting these families. And so, sorry, I forgot your question, but you know, a (laughs) lot of the police, they're not. This is one of the many reasons why our indigenous women and girls go missing and are murdered at a high rate because the police don't care about these cases. They push them aside. You know, for example, in Chelsea Portman's case, the family was saying, can you get camera footage of this area? Right. And the police didn't react to it quickly, and now we don't have camera footage. And they were on that right away, but the family, they kept asking, and I pushed for it as well, and they still didn't do it. Right. So, you know, predators know that they can target us because they know the police aren't going to search for us. The police don't care.
0: Right. Right. So you think that the police should be doing more, stepping up more, getting the names out, the pictures, asking for information. Be, before, you know, anything else. Do you think that that would really help get that missing person found before, unfortunately, so many of them are um, killed?
1: Not only that, if they actually cared enough to search for us right away, if they actually cared enough to do anything for us, Predators would know not to target us, but because they know that they don't care, um, they, they target us.
0: Right. And I'm going to bring in, too, after a, a missing woman has been found deceased, do you think the media, the papers, should really pipe up on this instead of just letting it, you know, be an hour news cast and then tossed aside.
1: Yes, for sure. I slowly things are changing in the media. Not quick enough though. But um I, I definitely have made a lot of connections with the media but I do remember at the beginning of my journey you know, I remember I think I did an interview or an interview was done about MMIWG, and I was waiting for it on TV or on the news, and I remember a story coming out about dogs, something about dogs. And then it was the MMIWG story, and I was like, What? Like, yeah. that story of the dogs was more important than our missing and murdered loved ones. And I, I took that as a slap in the face, and yes. I actually had the opportunity to speak to media from across the country at one point. Okay. Yeah.
0: So we're going to take another break, and we're going to come back and talk about the media and everything too. So just wait for us on the other side. Thank you.
2: Okay. If you have a relative or friend with a severe and persistent mental illness, the BC Schizophrenia Society can help. Their regional teams across the province are running many programs to provide support, awareness, and tools to help family members cope with their loved one's mental illness. Family support, sibling support, kids and teens in control drop-in, and their new course, Strengthening Families Together. Find out more about the program that's right for you at bcss.org. The BC Schizophrenia Society, a reason to hope, the means to cope the northern interior communities association is presenting their free community gaming grant webinar weekly through december 1st learn the basic community gaming grant requirements the application process and the required financial documents during this informative two-hour presentation more information is available at northernica.org or through their facebook page the next nica gaming grant webinar is slated for thursday afternoon from two to four pre-register with your name and organization by emailing facilitator at northern the Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity and Recreation Council is accepting applications for Fit Nation Leader Training. This in person session is taking place in Richmond December 6th through 8th, and it's your opportunity to join the ever growing network of Fit Nation leaders delivering programs across BC. Full registration details are available through iSpark.ca. That's the in person leadership training for Fit Nation December 6th, 7th, and 8th at the Sheraton Vancouver Airport Hotel in Richmond. A presentation of iSpark. Forecast from Environment Canada for today's showers. Wind from the south at 20k, gusting to 40, a high of 8. Mainly cloudy with a 30% chance of showers this evening. Clearing overnight. Wind from the west at 20k, becoming light near midnight, a low of minus 3. On Tuesday, mainly sunny. Increasing cloudiness in the afternoon with a 60% chance of showers. Wind up to 15, a high of 5, with a morning wind chill to minus 5.
0: And we're back. This is Phyllis Warren and we've been talking to Lorelei Williams regarding, um, butterflies and spirit, her dance troupe. And we were just discussing how when, um, missing native woman is gone and there is not enough support or coverage from the RCMP or, um, media. And if we got the information out there fast, as soon as the report was filed with pictures and and um you know, little commercials or what have you, some sort of talk that maybe things could get solved. And when the they are found deceased, then it's like a one-time story, and that's about it. We need to get more information out there. We need people to come forward at these times so that we can solve these murders of what is happening to Native women across Canada. And it it's one of the biggest issues that is swept under the rug. Have I covered that enough for you? Is that how everyone feels, that this happens time and time again?
1: I would say Indigenous people, Canadians in general, no. Um, I have said this many times, we live in a racist country. And it was a paper by, I think it was Christian Gilchrist, She actually did a paper where she compared three stories of missing indigenous women um, in the Winnipeg area, I believe, and three white women. And she actually compared everything, every little detail up to the amount of letters that were printed in these stories as well. Every word count she did and every letter. And... She noticed that there was a drastic difference in how many words and letters were printed on white women as opposed to indigenous women and girls. She also noticed that um, there was more white picket fence, smiley faces that were printed in the media for the white women. Right. But, you know, for the indigenous women, they were like not so great photos, some of them. Uh, yeah, they were not as great or happy or, you know, as a white, as what was put out there for the white women.
0: Right. And here in town, it comes to my mind um, we have a missing woman. Um, her name is Nicole Hoare, and she has been missing for years. And on the anniversary day, they always have something um, in the paper regarding her going missing. But yet we have a lot of Native women who have gone missing and we don't hear anything of their anniversary date being published. So that's kind of unfair, you know, because this is, has been happening here on the start of the Highway of Tears. Um, and I think if we got more information out there, the dates that these... Native women went missing That maybe it could trigger something From someone who Was in that area Do you not believe that that could be true?
1: Yes And I You know When I speak internationally I actually mention the highway of tears You know when I I Speak at Different places around the world And I bring this topic up Or that's what I'm asked to go for they can't believe that we actually have a highway named after our missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls here. And, you know, I, there's a lot of amazing advocates who talk about the Highway of Tears, and, you know, there's families up that way who advocate for their missing and murdered loved ones. And, you know, it wasn't... Uh, you know, I'm grateful for that. I, I respect them and um, support them as much as I can. I actually didn't even go on the highway of Tears up until like a few weeks ago. Oh, you know, yeah. I I've been on it briefly just to um when uh the national inquiry was up in Smithers. Uh-huh. But I actually had to drive from Terrace to um that area. Uh-huh. Uh, and I I yeah, my phone did not work in certain areas and I just kept remembering and thinking about the women who were going missing and murdered on that highway. And, you know, I know about how there's more attention for the white women up there that have gone missing up there. You know, those families of the white women have come forward and they noticed it. They said, you know, there's a lot of coverage on my family member. How come there's no coverage on Indigenous women and girls? So I I thought that was great that they notice that mm-hmm. but also acknowledge it as well that there's racism all over and you know i feel like white people listen to white people right so if a white person is saying that then white people will listen to that
0: right they will sit up and take notice of it yeah you know and and that's just it you know um I think that we should have all the anniversary dates for all women, and it doesn't matter what race or color they are. If they have gone missing, they should honor that day and have a full-fledged story and pictures and information of the area that they have gone missing from in order to help get more information, no matter how many years have passed.
1: Yeah
0: you know and and it doesn't help that we now no longer have the greyhound that travels the highway of tears and it's up to certain communities to have a little bus that comes to the Prince George area with people that need to travel for medical or you know um, situations like that and You know, it would be best if we could put more money into a busting system so then that way people can travel freely from, you know, into Prince George from the highway at Tears. Do you think that would help out more? I
1: I think that would definitely help. And it's so strange when I said I was up there uh, recently. Um, I actually got stuck. I had to, my flight got canceled. And I got stuck. Um, It's not with that. It's like close to with that. What's that? It's not Terrace. It's before. Anyways, um, Smithers. Is it Smithers?
0: Smithers or Houston? Smithers. So
1: I got stuck there. I needed, because my flight was canceled, and the next flight out, like I needed to get out that day. And I got stuck there. And I didn't know how I was going to go catch a flight in Terrace. Like, I I needed to be on that flight in Terrace. They quickly switched my flight to Terrace to be able to get out that day, but I needed to get there. And I had no idea how I was going to get there, but it just so happens that the hotel I was staying at offered to lend their truck to these other guys, and I had to make that decision to get in this truck with these guys. And, but you know after talking to them and figuring it all out I did get in that truck with those guys thankfully they were um two lawyers and um you know one from the states one from here um you know we made sure I was going to be safe me and my friends um but Mm -hmm. they you know I explained to them the highway of tears and you know they were shocked but also they asked questions like is it white people killing our Indigenous women. And I said, yes. you know, I can go on about that. But also, I said it's the laws as well. We have racist laws. We have racist policies. We live in a racist society and a racist system. And that's why our Indigenous women and girls are going missing. And they were shocked to hear that. But they were asking, you know, about the laws. And, you know, these are two lawyers, one from Canada, one from the States. Right. And to get their view on it and get my view on this, it
0: was pretty it was pretty. So amazing,
1: it was, I guess you could say. It was kind of like
0: an educational moment for both sides then, is that not right?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, um, so you made it safe with these gentlemen, but... How how would an, another person be able to do this without proper transportation?
1: Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I was desperate. I needed to catch that flight, and I can't imagine living up there. You know, they have to go to their doctor's appointments or dentist appointments or, you know, those kind of things that, you know, we can easily get to here in Vancouver you know Mm. we have buses and stuff but up there it's harder to access so you know I got lucky in that moment like um but uh, yeah it definitely showed me (laughs) something about how dangerous it is up there you know when you need to get somewhere when you need to get from point A to point B and on that dark highway yes um long and dark if it's nighttime. Yes. It's not safe, you know.
0: Yes, and then there's massive forest and everything out there and it it just makes you feel so tiny and maybe that's why we cannot find our missing women.
1: No, and, you know, it kind of, it reminds me of when I was 17, you know, I was in a desperate situation where I got stuck in the Chilliwack area, in the Coltis Lake area. Mm hmm There was no buses. And, you know, being a teenager, I needed to get back to Chilliwack, and I knew nobody. I was new. This was actually after Tanya went missing. And I moved there, so I didn't know anybody. And when I went to go meet some new friends, I didn't realize I was on the last bus. Making my way up there, that was the last bus to go back into Chilliwack. I didn't realize the buses had stopped early. Oh. When I tried to go back home because I couldn't find my friends, I had no way back, and I walked on that road for many hours. It was light out, and I got picked up probably around, like, 1 or 2 in the morning. You know, that last bus was at 5 o'clock.
0: Wow. But
1: that shows how long I was walking on that highway for, or that windy road. hmm And, you know, I was so desperate to get home that I got in the vehicle with these two white guys as a teenager. And the first thing that they asked me was, are you drinking? And I hadn't. You know, I wasn't drinking at all. Right. But the fact that they asked me that, that was the first question that they asked me. Yeah, you know, that, that says a lot right there. You know, like, what if I was?
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, it, they wouldn't give you a ride? Is that what they were trying to get up?
1: Or maybe they wanted to do something.
0: Oh, you yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's, that's, the, that's what I made of it, you know, after thinking about it <laughs> after years. Um, but... You know, I got put in that desperate situation, and at that age, I wish I had known how to steal cars, because it was scary. I didn't know if I was more scared of the people driving by in their cars or the animals in the forest.
0: Right. Right. And, you know, with the animals in the forest, at least you had a chance to scare those off and that they would take you serious, whereas some human beings would just laugh at it and think it's a big joke, you know. And so I am very proud to um, meet you and talk with you. Regarding of how this all came about And what you're trying to achieve through dance Are you hoping that it's going to Make an impact for changes?
1: Yeah that's um, That's been my hope since the beginning And Yeah, I, I Work on this issue every single day And My hope is that I won't have to work on this ever again.
0: (laughs) You (laughs) hope that one day you'll be able to retire knowing that things are in place to ensure that no one goes missing again. Is that it?
1: Yeah, I, I wish and hope that a woman would never go missing or be murdered. Or I wish there was no violence towards our women, girls, LGBTQIA plus. That, that's my hope. I mean, you know, one person said, said it to me so well. <laughs> I was shocked to hear him ask me, well, he asked me what my job was. And when I told him, you know, I do work around this issue,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he looked at me. He was shocked. He was like, wow, you have a job forever. Oh. And then I was like, Oh, my God, I think you're right. So just that kind of response, I was just like, like I don't think this will be ending anytime soon. Right. I want it to, but a lot of work has to be done.
0: A lot of work, and I think that's with individuals, with the community, with the RCMP, with the media. We need everyone to jump on board when a woman goes missing. And the
1: government.
0: Yeah, MLAs, you know, the government. Everyone needs to get on board, and we need to start doing something more sooner than finding the deceased body of a missing loved one. Yes. Do you think that uh, that um, we should have something put in from the government? Oh yes,
1: <laughs> yes. Like right off the bat, you know, there's there's policies. There's so many racist policies
0: mm-hmm. that
1: are killing our indigenous people. Right. And Murray Sinclair said it so well. I can't remember his exact quote, but, you know, he said you could take all the racist people out of their jobs in government, but those policies are still there that they follow. And that's what's, that's the problem. You know, it's those racist policies. And, you know, some of those policies are what is killing our indigenous women and girls.
0: Right. So. And you know, Lorelai, I am so pleased to have you here today. I am hoping that this opens the door and that we can get somewhere on that. And I really appreciate that you have made butterflies in spirit. And I hope you have so much success around the world, spreading the word through dance. So thank you very much for coming on with me today and talking about this. And I wish you success.
1: Awesome. Yeah, thank you for inviting me to be on your show.
0: Thank you. And this is it for today. Um, Community Echoes with Phyllis Warren. Next week we are working on getting another person on. And I'm hoping that you will enjoy our show next week. So we will be back next Monday at 1 o'clock. And the show's name is Community Echoes. And I hope you guys have enjoyed today. And if you want... Let us know what you think of where our show is going. Thank you. See you again. This
2: is 93.1 CFIS FM in Prince George. Proudly supported by community groups like the BC Old Time Fiddlers.